Good morning, everyone. It's a blessing to be with you today in worship. And uh, I would encourage you, if you, you don't have to be somewhere, stick around afterwards. Don't rush out and spend some time getting to know each other better. And um, I think fellowship's a very essential part of spiritual growth, don't you? So let's take advantage of that. Uh, today we're continuing our Think About series. And so far we've looked at thinking about uh, the truth as God's Word, thinking about your destination, thinking about temptation, thinking about baptism, and thinking about creation, and thinking about communion last week. And today I want us to think about prophecy, to think about prophecy. Now let me say at the start, if, if you think that this is going to be a lesson about end times prophecy, you're going to be so disappointed, <laughs> so disappointed. I think end pro time prophecy is so important. It's so important. But I found a lot of times that when people, whether they're seekers or unbelievers or, or believers, want to talk about prophecy, they immediately go to the end time. They want to talk about end time prophecy. So here's my advice for what it's worth, for those of you who like to study prophecy. I think you need to start with studying the prophecies that have already been fulfilled, that you can historically verify. Um, once you have a handle on those, it'll give you some great background and allow you to shuffle through all the many, many, many many <laughs> divergent and different and sometimes wrong ideas about the second return of Christ and about the end of time. So my purpose in this whole series, the Think About series, is to get us to think about that particular subject. And uh, we've been looking at some very basic things in each of those subjects, but today we want to do that about prophecy. Uh, what should I think about prophecy? Prophecy. I believe that sometimes when we get confused about studying things, the end result is, is that uh, we give up on it. It becomes so confusing, we don't know who to believe or how to turn or how to sort through it all, whether it's a podcast or a sermon or something we've read. And so what we tend to do is just kind of throw our hands up and say, ah, I don't want to hear any more about that, or I don't want to deal with that anymore. Uh, yet we're reminded in Scripture by Paul that you are to never treat uh, prophecy with contempt, that you're to study it, to think about prophecy, and then you hold on to what is good. So we're going to think about prophecy in our time together, and I hope that you'll leave this lesson filled with faith and hope, confidence and assurance that the precious promises and prophecies of God uh, that are around us, the ones that have been fulfilled, have been fulfilled, and the ones that are yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled 100% accurate, just like the ones that already have. And that's, that's the goal for it. Now, scriptures tell us that, that, it's, that it is so evident that it's truth because of the prophecies that are within the Word of God. In 2 Peter 3, verse 2, we're going to start in 2 Peter and end in 2 Peter, our lesson today. But Peter makes this statement. He says, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by whom? See, by the prophets and the commands given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So when you think about the prophets of old, those prophecies in the Bible... Uh, are about people and events and nations, and often those prophecies are made centuries before the actual event ever occurs. And so often you can go back then to these prophecies and historically verify that that prophecy was fulfilled in history. I sometimes hear the statement that prophecies are not historically accurate, or no historian actually believes that there were prophets who could prophesy about something hundreds of years into the future. And because of that mistaken belief, 
uh, you'll find that some tried to date the writings of the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, therefore, to be after they had prophesied about a certain event. Now, don't get confused by that. Uh, you have a search engine on your internet. You know how to use that search engine, don't you? Whether it's DuckGo or Google or whatever, right? Uh, you have that search engine. You can look for yourself. Number one, when did the prophet live? And number two, when was the prophecy fulfilled? That will be on any internet search. Of course, use the word of God. That's more important, right? But just in terms of you can do this yourself. I'm trying to make you see that this is not complicated. You don't have to come to me about this or some theologian or whoever. You just have, well, when did that prophet live? What did he prophesy about? And when was it fulfilled? And it's there, right there at your handily for you. So with those two points in mind, you can readily see whether or not a prophet could live after the event that he talks about. For example, if the prophet lived somewhere between 8 and 750 uh, before the common era or before the Christian era. Okay. And he's talking about something that's going to happen in 500 BCE. Well, you can go to search. When did the prophet live? Well, between 7800 BCE. When was it fulfilled? Between 500, 600 BCE. Obviously, that prophet's not three or 400 years old. And so it's very important to see that. Remember, Peter's telling us here to recall the words spoken in the past by these holy prophets. And when we do this, it's going to strengthen our faith. So I want to begin with a very simple one, a very beautiful one out of Isaiah. And as an example of Isaiah's life and prophecy. So you can go right now. When did Isaiah live? And when did this prophecy occur? So he has so many prophecies in the book, but I want to center on this one about Babylon, Judah, and the return of the Jews back to the homeland, Jerusalem. Boy, that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? I just want you to follow this with me, all right? Study guide. So when did Isaiah live? What was his prophecy about? What did he prophesy about? When did it happen? Look it all up. Very simple. You, if you take a world civilization course or Western civilization course, at any level, at any university, any college, you will learn the date of when Babylon conquered Judah, the date of when Babylon was conquered as a nation, how the Mede-Persians did it, and it was by this certain ruler who then allowed the Jews to return back to their homeland. Historically verified. So that's historical evidence. Now I want you to look at the prophecy in Isaiah. Isaiah, notice, 39, 5 through 6. Isaiah says that Babylon will conquer Judah. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up into that day will be carried off to where? To Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. So let's look at that timeline arrow. Isaiah lived in the 700s. This prophecy was made in the 700s. We know that this event occurred in 605 BCE. A little under 100 years after Isaiah lives. Isaiah 21 verse 9, what do you learn? Babylon will be conquered by another nation. Look, here comes a man in a chariot with a team of horses and he gives back the answer. Babylon has fallen, has fallen. All the images of its gods lie shattered on the ground. Isaiah lived, made prophecies in the 700s. This occurred in 538 B.C. Isaiah lived and made these prophecies, these prophecies about Babylon and Judah. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? Now, what's even more amazing, not only does he give the prophecy that Babylon will be conquered by Judah, I mean, rather that uh, Babylon will be conquered by another nation, but he names the ruler 
who will conquer him by the Mede Persians. Look at this. Notice in um, Isaiah 44, 28, he names him as Cyrus, my shepherd. Now, historically, you can read about Cyrus, and he's called the shepherd king. I will accomplish all that I please, he will say to Jerusalem. Let us rebuild, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. I mean, that's very beautiful, isn't it? Isaiah lived in the 700s, talks about things, 535 after B.C. here. So when you study and think about Isaiah's prophecies, what you notice immediately, you can look at it, is that it's historically accurate, it's reliable. And this is just one of the many prophecies that have that same pattern throughout the Word of God. A prophet of God will prophesy about events and people long after their death, and it will be fulfilled 100% exactly as God said it would. And I think the greatest example of this, you have to look at the life of Christ, don't you? I mean, you want to study prophecy? Here's a very good place to go. To study the life of Christ through prophecy. Over the next few minutes, I'm going to provide you about 35 references. I said few minutes. 35 references to the life of Christ through prophecy. So obviously, I'm going to go pretty quick. You're not going to have time to write them down. But here's what I've done. There's this chart that's um, in the Welcome Center. Just pick it up. It'll have those listings of the verses I'm about to give. And uh, feel free to pick them up. Life group leaders, make copies of this or pick up a few to take with you to your life group meetings today as well. Help in that first discussion question. But these are the prophecies about the life of Christ. Let, let me do a sidebar here for just a moment. Those of you that are listening on YouTube and online podcast. <clears throat> Whenever you hear this podcast or see it and you want this, you simply go to the Somerville Church of Christ website, and there you scroll down at the home page. You'll see the button, Previous Messages. Click on there. It will take you to the podcast. Look at Think About Prophecy, and you'll find the link to this chart online as well. Well, there you have your public service announcement. <laughs> Welcome back, all right? <laughs> I believe that your faith is so strengthened and your hope and your assurance and so confident in what Christ is and what God has done for us. Whenever you study the prophecies about the life of Jesus Christ, there are at least 61 prophecies that pertain to the life of Jesus Christ. You think about that. And what that means is that when you think about prophecy, since these scriptures were precisely fulfilled, fulfilled about the life of Christ, That means then if those 61 were, then all the others about his return, his his redemption, everything else about him are also accurately uh, fulfilled. So let's deal with one aspect of this, because some people say that Jesus had like this messianic complex. That what he did, he wanted to be Messiah so much that he went back to the Old Testament scriptures and then he applied them or adapted them to himself. And that's the way that he described himself. Well, how would you answer that question if someone said that to you? How would you answer that statement? Uh, How do you respond to that when you think about prophecy? Well, if you take the 61 prophecies and he could just match eight of them perfectly. Uh, The mathematician said there's only a 1 in 1,017 chance that he could fulfill even eight of the 61 perfectly. It's astronomical when you look at it. Besides, many of the prophecies about the Messiah, this is where the the whole thing falls apart. Many of the prophecies about Messiah coming to this earth 
he had absolutely no control over as a human being. For example, he couldn't control where he was born, right? Where was he born? In Bethlehem. We're told that by Micah, who incidentally was around 700 years before Jesus ever comes on the face of the earth. He couldn't control when he was born as a human. Daniel said it would be during the 70 weeks, those 490 years span there towards the end of it in Daniel chapter 9. And he said that some 530 years before Jesus ever comes on the earth. Certainly he couldn't control the manner as a human being of how he was born. And Isaiah says some 700 years before that Jesus was born of a virgin. His death, very specific, Psalm 22, some 500 years before, would be on a cross. His feet and hands would be nailed. His burial, according to Isaiah again, 700 years before the event, he'd be buried in a rich man's tomb. No individual has control over such things of the city you're born in or the birth, right, or the manor. And many other things that are here. And so what you have here are these beautiful things about the life of Christ. And these things that are here that are very significant. Well, on the next page, I said, the next slide rather, you have this prophecy chart, which, like I said, there's one out in the lobby for you, okay? Or it's online. But this is absolutely amazing. Most of these prophecies regarding the life of Messiah are given centuries before Jesus arrives on the earth as Messiah. You can tell his story just from prophecy. I love this, that his name shall be Emmanuel. That before he ever comes to his ministry, there'll be a forerunner, in the, in the, like Elijah. That Herod, during that time, will order the male children under two years old to be killed. That Jesus, after he's born in Bethlehem, will go to Egypt and come out of Egypt to finally go to his hometown of Nazareth. That Jesus would preach in parables. That he would perform miracles. That he is the prophet that Moses talked about all the way in Deuteronomy. That he would minister primarily in Galilee. That he would have a triumphal entry into Jerusalem on a donkey. That he would be rejected by his own people, the Jews. And that most of all, he would be betrayed. Betrayed by a friend. By a friend. Sold for 30 pieces of silver to buy a very cheap potter's field. Piece of property. Isaiah says 700 years before, his face will be just marred from the beating, that they will literally pull out the beard from his face in the beating. They would spit on him and beat him, that he would be silent before his accusers. Psalm said that he would cry out, my my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That he'd be mocked, that they would even offer him vinegar on the cross 500 years before it happens. And that they would gamble for his garments at the foot of the cross some 500 years before him. Man, you should say hallelujah to that. I mean, this is amazing, isn't it? These prophecies that are fulfilled. And there are so many other prophecies when you think about prophecy. About the details of his life, the cross, the resurrection, his return and eternal reign. That doesn't even mention about how he forgives us and redeems us and declares us righteous and gives us salvation and fullness of life here and eternal life in heaven. Amen? This is what you think about when you think about prophecy. It gives you great faith and hope that Jesus did not adopt or adapt Old Testament scriptures because he had a messianic complex. No, Jesus is the one who fulfilled all them because he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He is Messiah. And this is why we think about prophecy and what Jesus has done for that. So you can be assured that since the prophecies of the life of Christ 
are 100% accurately filled, then the prophecies about his return and the end times will also be 100% accurate and fulfilled as well. You can have that confidence and assurance. Now, when you study prophecy, you should study things like, I said, historically like Isaiah or the life of Christ. But I'd also recommend you study 2 Peter. 2 Peter is such a great letter that makes you think about prophecy. He points you directly to the benefits of thinking about prophecy. And he says it's a way to strengthen our faith and hope in the promises and the prophecy of God. Now, there are three major themes in 2 Peter. We're going to cover 2 Peter in the next 10 minutes. Ready? Maybe nine, but pretty close to 10. About 10. I would say about. <laughs> three themes. What you're to consider precious, what you're to make every effort in, and why you should remember your faith. Those are the three themes that directly point to why you think why prophecy is so important in strengthening your faith. First of all, he uses the word precious. You have a precious faith. Our faith is precious. Notice that in verse 1, what he says there. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as what? Precious as ours. It's a precious faith. We also, the reason why it's a precious faith is because we have such precious promises from God. Look at verse 3 through 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through a knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. They're very great and precious promises. Well, why does it seem sometimes slow for him to carry out those promises? Well, Peter says in chapter 3, verse 9, he's not slow in keeping his promises like you think he is. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. His, his, our faith in him is precious based upon the precious promises of God. And the precious promise of God of all is our salvation. And the reason why not all these prophecies have been fulfilled yet is because he wants to see other people, perhaps even yourself today, become a child of his. Become a child of God. So that's why he says in 3.15, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. So what do you regard as precious? Your faith, are you with me? And the precious, precious promises of God. Second thing you're to do is make an effort in your faith. Make every effort. Look in verse 1, 5 through 8. You need to take your faith vitamins how many of you take vitamins and supplements and everything else? And do you sometimes have to make an effort to take those vitamins? I mean, some of those are like that big, right? It's like, it's supposed to be good for me, but what do I do about swallowing them, you know? But you take those faith vitamins, those, I mean, those vitamins and supplements to make yourself healthier. And here's what, because we have a precious faith with precious promises, we're told to take these faith vitamins to make every effort to do so. So you add to your faith the vitamin of goodness and knowledge and self-control. And you take the supplements of perseverance and godliness and a big dose of mutual affection and love. For if you possess those qualities, if you take those vitamins of faith in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
Hold the faith. Your faith is precious. The promises and the prophecies of God are precious. Make every effort to live these things out. See what he's saying there? So with your faith, confirm that faith. Look in verse 10. Make every effort, see, to confirm your con election. Don't stumble out of it. Stay in it. Be consistent. And so he says, look, the word precious, make every effort. Now here's some things you need to remember. Here's some things you need to remember. Recall. Look in verse 12 through 15. So I will always remind you of these things. What things? The faith is precious. The promises and the prophecies of God. Even though you know them are fully established in the truth you now have. And I will make every effort to see that my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. What things? Your precious faith, precious promises, and the prophecies of God. And you take those faith vitamins. You live for God the way he wants you to. And what Peter says, you're going to have a tremendous benefit when you think about prophecy. Because it's going to lead, look in chapter 3, verse 1, to wholesome thinking. To this godly lifestyle. This is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to, to wholesome thinking. How? By recalling the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets. So when you study prophecy, when you think about the prophecies in the Bible and how they're fulfilled, it leads you to a wholesome thinking, wholesome life. What does that mean? Well, Peter says in chapter 3, verse 11, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to what? Live what? Are y'all with me? Holy and godly life. See, this is not a study of prophecy so you know secret stuff. This is a study say, this strengthens my faith. This gives me hope, assurance, confidence that the word of God is truth, that this is prophecy. And I am going to live my life according to what God tells me to do. So verse 14, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. So here we are, those three themes. You want to tie them together. So you have what's precious. Make every effort to take those faith vitamins. Remember these teachings so that you can live a wholesome, godly life. Now here's all connected. Here it's all connected. So here's your study guide. How do you study prophecy when you think about prophecy? So go back to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's start in verse 16. And we have, what, six minutes left? About? Notice. Here it is in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were what? Eyewitnesses of his majesty. So when you study prophecy, you know that when Peter's talking about this, that he's a what? He is an eyewitness to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not cleverly devised stories, made up stories. This is the truth. How do you know? Peter says, I was there. I saw it. He's very important that you know that. Peter writes that there are still writes this when there are still other eyewitnesses who saw Jesus alive and knew the stories. And he knew that if he said anything wrong, that those people would correct him. That they'd say, no, that's not right, if it was him or any other writer. Remember, not all the eyewitnesses of Jesus who are still alive are believers in him. There are people who are eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry who are unbelievers, who would love to discredit the Gospels, love to discredit the writings of the apostles. 
And you can be assured if Peter or any of them said anything that was a cleverly uh, devised story that wasn't true, they would have snapped up at that real quick and they would have discredited those apostles. But guess what? They didn't. They didn't say it was an error. Their silence is very telling. So the eyewitnesses here of the prophecies are first of all from believers who said, we were there, we know this spiritually and personally. But also the eyewitnesses of those who don't believe. Because by their silence, they're also acknowledging what? These prophecies are true as well. So Peter writes, when you think about prophecies, you'll find that it's reliable because of eyewitness, but also because of its content, the message. Notice what he says. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. That's what we've studied today, right? From Isaiah, from the life of Christ. It's a completely reliable message. And since it's reliable, Peter continues, pay attention to it. Pay attention to it. You'll, you'll do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place. <clears throat> and number two, until the day dawns and the morning stars in your heart. It's going to enlighten you. It's going to illuminate your life when you think about that and study it. There's a proverb in the Old Testament that says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. It's what it is. Righteous people want to be illuminated by the Spirit of God. Peter says when you think about prophecy, it'll help you to understand something quite clearly. This is very important. All these are important. This is very important here. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Prophets didn't create it. They didn't think of it. It's not their interpretation of some sort of weird symbols. It's not their opinion. Notice the origins, not from the prophets. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. So where did it come from? Prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were what? Carried along by the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? That's what you think about prophecy. It, it's powerful. So when you think about prophecy and you study about prophecy, here's what you want to get out of it. I want to come out of that study really valuing my faith even more. It's so precious to me. And I want to come out of that study where I understand that all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And that God fulfills his promises. He never breaks his word. And all the prophecies in the Bible, it's not based upon your opinion or mine. Historically validated and true. They're true. And they're there. God gave them to us to learn from. And when we study that, it leads us to a greater desire to live for God more, godly life, by the illumination we have of the Holy Spirit in this teaching. I'd like for all of us to stand. Let's stand. <clears throat> now, since we've looked at those, there's one more. And I want to talk now, think about prophecy in regard to the return of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, verse 13. But in keeping with this promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I love that, don't you? So when you look at it, you can be, you're confident and assured that the prophecies in the Bible have been fulfilled. 
And now when you look to the future about Christ's return and all the things it says in the Word of God about that, you can be confident and assured and look forward to that time of that new heaven and that new earth where righteousness dwells. Amen? Amen. That's the assurance you have. As we start this new week together, and we've been thinking about prophecy, I want to turn to one of the last verses in 2 Peter and encourage you this week uh, in your walk of faith. May you grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 If you'd like to be baptized, place membership, have Dale Cook, one of our elders, pray with you, have a prayer request, please make your way to the front bench right now as we sing this next song.